Speaking of grace, go to Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse number 1. You can remain seated tonight. Ephesians chapter 1. Week before last, we taught a lesson on when grace gets frustrated. Last week, we taught on when grace gets abused. And tonight, we're finally getting to the quote-unquote good stuff. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. When grace gets embraced, you see, you got to understand the ground rules of grace to appreciate it and to benefit from it at maximum capacity. Grace is not to be abused. Grace is not to be frustrated. But when properly embraced, grace is the only thing that will produce maximum glory for God through your, yours and my life. That's it. It's not the works of our own hands or the works of our own righteousness, but it's the full embrace of God's grace in our lives. So let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, did I tell you chapter 1? Okay, just make sure I was right. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul... An apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, what? blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, told you so, <laughs> that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Little footnote, it is not saying that he has chosen to save you regardless of your personal will towards the matter. Uh, it's not that he predestines your eternal existence. And, you know, there's this crowd of believers today uh, that believe in, uh, you know, five-point Calvinism. We're not going to get into that too much tonight, but... There are certain people that actually believe that you're going to get saved whether you want to or not, and if you if God don't mean for you to get saved, then you're not going to get saved, and there's nothing you can do about it, and that's not biblical. And I'm glad that some of you act surprised that people even believe that way, but there are people that actually think that way, and uh, you'll not find that in the Bible. You'll find maybe a verse that you might twist to convince, try to convince people of that. But the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon. I believe in a whosoever gospel, don't you? And the Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So don't tell me there are certain people God don't want to save. That's hogwash. Footnote. You're welcome. Verse 5. Having predestined. Now, what does he predestined us to do? Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Back up to verse 4, I'm sorry. 
What did he pre- said according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, for what purpose? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What he's saying is his predetermined plan for the believer is that you live for God. His redemptive plan is so that we can have a cho- uh, that we can have a chance at serving God and living out His original plan for our existence to start with, with which is to praise Him. To, to you know, why why did God put us here to give praise and glory to Him? What what does Satan do in the garden whenever he lied to Eve and and he caused Eve to doubt God's word? Well. He robbed her of her praise and her ability to give God glory with her life and wrecked and ruined. It would become a train wreck for all of uh, human history. And what is the redemptive plan? It's to restore fallen man back to his original state and purpose, which is to bring us back to a place where we can bring glory and honor to God. His predetermined will for every one of his children, every one of his creatures, is that they might glorify God, and we can't glorify God when sin is between us and God. The predetermined will of God is that everyone be saved and bring glory and honor to him. That's his purpose for humanity. Amen? Now, Having predestinated, let me say it again. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Notice God gets pleasure out of redeeming mankind. Verse six: to the praise of the glory of His grace, of His grace. Notice the word grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I'm going to stop reading there for a few minutes. And I'm going to begin teaching on when grace gets embraced. I love verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, and how magnificent and glorious his grace indeed is. We sing it all the time. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. (laughs) Hmm. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. How great, glorious and how amazing is His grace tonight. And the Bible says of His grace, it is wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Number one, when grace gets embraced, you need to understand this, we serve humbly. We serve humbly humbly this speaks of our position as servants of christ if uh, the bible said that it is not of works lest any man should what boast good john and the rest of you Uh, not of works lest any man should boast or brag in other words one of the things that grace does is teaches us a good lesson and gives us a good dose of humility It is a constant reminder that we serve Him not because we earned the right to serve Him. We serve Him because grace made it possible. I am forgiven, like we preached about this morning, because I'm covered in the blood, I am therefore a candidate to serve God. And don't you let any man disqualify you for something they remembered that you did in your past when God don't even remember it. Hello. Amen. And it's a good lesson of humility. And when you really 
fully embrace the grace of God, then you have, you're forced to serve with humility because it is the own mist- your own mistakes that you have been forgiven of that are the tools that God uses to keep you humble. Lest you look at others as if they're, uh, you're better off than them or as if you are better than them. No, you can't serve others pretending to be better than they are. You have to admit like Paul the Apostle admitted in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said, y'all, y'all know who I was before I met Jesus. I even persecuted, and in some cases, Paul murdered Christians for their faith. He said, I... I uh, I, I, I'm, I'm serving God is certainly not because I qualify as a, as a uh, I don't have a great uh, portfolio. I, I don't have a great past to boast of, and I certainly am not qualified based on the merits of my own behavior. He said, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now that's humility. Amen. And you'll only be as effective as you are humble. Can I say that again? You will only be as effective as you are humble. The more full of pride you are, the less effective you will be when it comes to the gospel of God's grace. Because you neither understand it nor embrace it. To fully embrace grace is to look in the mirror of God's word and accept the fact that the only reason you're embracing grace is because grace embraced you first. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. I, I don't have any bragging rights. I, I was a mess. I was a wretch. I was in trouble with God. And, and there's still some days, if you really saw all of me, you wouldn't like uh, what you saw. You just get to see me on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday afternoons and sometimes occasionally during the week. Uh, you get to see the highlight reel of my life on Facebook. You don't get to see those moments of weakness that I dare not tell you because I don't want you to know everything that I struggle with. And neither do you want me to know everything you struggle with. Amen. Let's just be real tonight. We embrace grace because grace embraced us and therefore uh, grace embraced us and therefore we serve with Humility. He goes on and says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Woo! That is a powerful statement. In other words, what Paul is saying is His grace is working its purpose in my life. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and just shout, I'm not qualified to serve God. I'm the least of His servants, and therefore I can't serve. No, Paul said, I am the least of God's servants, and I'm still going to serve. He didn't didn't use his past as an excuse to not serve God. He used his past forgiven as uh, his motivation for serving God. You see how we get twisted up in our minds? We think that because we made a mistake that somebody else would be better off doing what God's calling us to do. It is the very reason, the very fact that God saved you is why you should serve Him. The very fact that He forgave you is why you should serve Him. That's the whole purpose of the message of grace. Amen. He said, uh, God's grace was bestowed upon me and it was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly. Not less. I labored more abundantly than they all. (laughs) 
Yet not I. Now he's quick to get humble again. Yet not, not I. Not I. But the grace of God which was with me. You see his humility. It's powerful. Verse 11. Therefore whether it were I or they, so we preach and so you believe. He said it really don't matter at the end of the day who gets the credit as long as Jesus is preached and you believe the gospel. Now that's humility. That's humility. Amen. So when we fully embrace grace, we serve with humility. Point number one out. Number two. Let's look back at our opening text, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. And then I'll give you the point. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Look at the magnitude of these three verses that I just read. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I've been redeemed. That means I've been bought with the price. I've been purchased back. My sin debt has been paid in full. And so now the Lord has me in possession as His own. My sins have been forgiven. And this is all according to the riches, not of my ability to live right, but his ability to forgive, riches of his grace. Hmm. Wherein he hath, I love this next word, abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. You see, what happens when God's grace redeems you, God's grace then qualifies you to receive from our Lord wisdom and prudence and all the benefits of serving the kingdom of God. It, it, you, it's because uh, once you were blind, but now you see, now that you see, you are given insight and wisdom and understanding from above that you previously were not privy to because of the grace of God. God has opened up heaven to bring it down to earth for whosoever will. And and grace opens up a whole world of the kingdom of God to our uh, and exposes it to us and and thereby we are recipients not just of salvation but of wisdom, of prudence and all the things that grace is meant to equip us with as we begin our journey in serving God. I see here then that it's bigger than just getting saved and warming a pew. It's serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, uh, and he said, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. What other king reveals the mysteries of his heart through his followers? What other king does this, has a one-on-one conversation with his followers, with, his, uh, with, with the people that live in his kingdom? Most kings have a very small inner circle at best. But what has he done? He has rent the veil from top 
to bottom and said, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. And so number two, we serve when we fully embrace grace, we serve honorably. This is an honor to be able to serve such a, a, a person as God Almighty who is King of kings and Lord of lords, understand the significance. This speaks of his position. When we talk about serving humbly, that speaks of our position. But when we talk about serving honorably, we're speaking of his position. We're speaking of who it is that we're serving. I mean, God is worthy. He was worthy of our praise before he ever saved us. And he should have got praise. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Don't be bothered if somebody who don't live right uh, offers up a praise to God. God will take praise from anybody that has enough sense to give him praise because he's worthy of it. Amen? Amen. That's right. Now, understanding that who he is, that it is an honor to serve God. And when you understand how powerful grace is and what it has done for you and what it has enabled you to do, then you understand now you're in a... Uh, you are you are put in a place of honor, and I'd rather say it this way: you're put in a place to honor someone bigger than yourself. We serve honorably, uh, and grace enables you to do that. It, it boggles my mind to this day that he would want us to even serve him. I know that it's not because he needs us, but he wants us. And not only is it uh, an honor to serve Him, but we should seek to serve Him honorably. You see that? And it's an honor. I mean, after all, He's earned the honor. What other king would even care for such lowly people as you and I? Amen. We didn't have nothing to offer Him. We didn't have nothing to improve his status of power in the universe. We could not improve his kingdom. We could not add to his majesty or his dominion or any of that. But he, because he made himself a servant, Jesus Christ became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. He became the most honorable. He has been given a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we've got to get our thinking up and realize that serving God is the most honorable thing that you can do with your life. It's more honorable than if you were to run for the president of the United States and become the president of the superpower of the world. I'm not impressed with earthly kingdoms and their domains and their, uh, uh, their seats of power not impressed because I've been serving the king of kings and let me tell you something he's on top of things amen he is on top of things and uh and every one of them earthly kings are going to bow to him and I serve him I can go straight to the top and hear directly from him what an honor what a privilege oh if we really understood what grace did for us, we would want to give Him our best because He gave us His best. 
He earned the right. And he didn't, he earned it before he ever did what he did. But he even went beyond the call of duty for you and me. And so why wouldn't we serve him with honor? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And uh, this goes back to what we was talking about last week. When we choose to live dishonorably as children of God, that's when we start walking in a place where we're abusing His grace. Amen. And, and that ought to make a difference in our choices in our thoughts, in the places we go, the things we do, how we serve, what we do for God, what we don't do for the enemy, etc., etc., etc. So for to fully em- uh, embrace grace, we serve humbly, we serve honorably. Amen. And then I want to give you one more thing. Let's look at verses 10 through 12 real quickly of our text, Ephesians 1.10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That he might gather together in one what? All. The word all. Y'all see that? That he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Jesus, when he prayed, I preached about, I referenced it this morning, the, the Lord's Prayer in John 17. When he prayed for his disciples and when he prayed for us, he prayed that God would keep all that came to him. You know, the third thing that grace will do? When we serve, when we fully embrace grace, Brother Ron, we serve with hope. We serve with hope. This speaks of guaranteed possessions. This speaks of the fact that according to Philippians 1.16, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That what grace starts, grace is able to finish in your life. This gives me hope, Miss Peggy, that even though along the journey... As a frail human, I make mistakes. I even sin, yes, sometimes. Even as a Christian, that grace has got me covered. Not that I would abuse it, but that I would get back up again and keep going because that's the way God structured it. It's a built-in, foolproof system. (laughs) Ooh, glory. Amen. Amen. In whom, verse 11, also we have obtained an inheritance. You know what inheritance is, don't you? Something with your name on it. And it's something that legally belongs to you. (laughs) I've I've heard stories of people that didn't even know they had an inheritance. Some rich relative died, left something in their name. Years down the road, it was discovered. And, of course, once it was discovered, they had to... Uh, by law, they had to delegate what was theirs to them, and they didn't even know it, but they had an inheritance, and it was legally, legitly theirs. Do you know that a lot of Christians there are living in the dark about what all they have in Christ? Don't even know how good they've got it. They've, they've allowed the devil to convince them that grace is not as good as we preach it. But let me tell you something, grace is even better than I can preach it. Amen? Again, not to abuse it, not to frustrate it, but to embrace it fully and to let it be what it is. Mm. We have an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things 
after the counsel of his own will. Grace gives God the leverage in our lives that he needs to get glory in an otherwise hopeless situation. <laughs> it's legit. It's legally sound. That accuser comes before God and has all these quote-unquote facts, but they're not even on heaven's record, and grace enables God uh, to have the leverage he needs to work his purpose in our lives. That is powerful. Amen? When you fully embrace grace, it almost sounds too good to be true. Amen? Because <laughs> we want to work for it. we got to earn it. God's better to us than we are to ourselves. We'll give each other a harder time than God will. Amen. We'll put you on probation for six months. God doesn't say, what, what are you talking about? I don't forgive that. Hello. I'm talking about we have hope that in spite of my frailty, God can finish what he started in my life. Woo. Mm. <laughs> God's plan is bigger than our plunder. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God's grace saves, God's grace sanctifies, and God's grace gives power to serve. It's all grace. It's not some grace. It's not mostly grace. Every bit of it's grace. It was grace that stood me up to preach me today. And it'll be grace that lays me down to sleep tonight. And if I do anything worthwhile that might be measured up as gold or silver, tried in the fire on judgment day, it'll be because grace did it in my life. I have hope that my life can be filled with purpose and bring glory and honor to God, not because Gary can keep it, but because God never intended for me to keep what I could not earn. Just pay my respects to Him. Live in His grace and forgiveness and mercy and serve with the hope that God will get glory as long as I keep serving Him with humility and with honor. Amen? So let's conclude with verses 13 and 14. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were what? Sealed. With that Holy Spirit of promise. Woo! I love that word sealed. I, I like what old, one country preacher said. The, the devil dare not break that seal because if he does, he'll get the blood all over him. Amen. <laughs> I like that, don't you? Which is the earnest of our inheritance. Uh, I'm, I'm told, and I, I've studied this, and I, my memory serves me correctly. This uh, alludes to the idea of a down payment. Uh, which is the earnest or down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. In other words, uh, that's what it's talking about is you're 100% His now, but your body's not completely redeemed until you're given a glorified body, right? And so until then, you have the Holy Spirit, which is the seal of God that you belong to Him, right? And it says you're already purchased past tense, so it's not saying that God partially owns you. It's just that the transaction is not 100% complete yet as far as your uh, earth, your bodily redemption. But you're 100% His. And so because God has bought you, He just hasn't picked up all of you yet. 
one day he's got, the trumpet's going to sound, Jesus is going to return, and uh, we're going to, the dead are going to be, uh, rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, and he's going to come and get what he bought, and he's going to get all of us, not just our body and our soul, but our mind, our, our, I mean, not just our spirit, but our body, amen, and then redemption will be 100% complete because all of the curse of sin will have been eradicated from our existence. Earnest. So he's coming for what he paid for. That's the hope of the gospel. Amen. The only question you need to ask is, are you really his? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Not are you a church member? <laughs> Not have you kept the Ten Commandments, which by the way, you haven't. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, I ain't murdered anybody. Yeah, but have you lied? I ain't lied to anybody, which you just did. <laughs> I'm meddling now. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I'm simply em emphasizing that we serve with hope. Amen. So, uh, like the old children's song says, He's still working on me. Y'all remember that one? Yeah. To make me what I ought to be. Sing it with me. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. <laughs> He's still working on me. <laughs> hey, so you might look at me and say, boy, I tell you what, he's a mess. I ain't ever said I wouldn't first, so don't bother me. I'll, I'll say amen to that. But secondly, just know this, honey, I'm serving God with hope. Amen. I'm so, and so are you, and I pray that God gives me the eyes of Jesus when I look at you, and I pray that God gives you the eyes of Jesus when you look at me, and we can serve God together with the hope that God will get maximum glory out of our efforts as we strive to serve Him as imperfect as we are. When you fully embrace grace, it empowers you to be able to do so. Let's pray. Father, help us to embrace grace. And let it work its purpose, not to take advantage of it in terms of abusing it or frustrating it, but to take advantage of what it was purposed to do, that it might enable us to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.